Good morning. You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast. Your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. This episode is brought to you by Untapped and the Untapped store. Use the coupon code PODCAST to get 20% off your next purchase. Lots of holiday shopping going on. Save some money. Grab some cool Untapped swag. Thanks, Harrison. And I'm going to bring us into this episode by saying, holy cow, I can't believe it's been a whole year uh, since Harrison and I were talking about last year's year in beer. Right. Um, and so that's that's a that's the only way I've been able to keep track of time so far in 2020. <laughs> but what a joyful quagmire this year has been. <laughs> and instead of reflect on the things we wish were different, we're going to focus this episode on things that have been great. So we're officially halfway through our Advent box, which has been the most I've tweeted in my whole life. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, yeah. you'll see me and Harrison fumbling through beers and bottle openers every day. Um, we're bringing some Pennsylvania madness to the show today, and we're also recapping our untapped year in beer, which most of you have probably seen in the last two days. Um, but we're we're excited to see you sharing that with us in the Facebook group on Untapped social media, and I can't wait to see if Harrison has more uniques than I did this year and more badges. I can make a safe prediction that we both drank a lot of beer at home. But let's get the show started, Harrison. What's in the box? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, John. It is, as you said, some madness from old Pennsylvania way. Mad Elf, Trogues, Independent Brewing's Mad Elf. Um, this beer is the bomb, uh, for <laughs> lack of a whatever, a, a better intro. Although maybe I'm a week early on that. But um, yeah, so Mad Elf, let's get to the facts. A Belgian strong dark ale coming in at 11%. And from Trogues, the holidays at Trogues start with our inner Mad Elf momentarily taking over the brew deck. So blame him for this cheerful ruby red creation brewed with honey, cherries, and Belgian yeast reminiscent of cinnamon, clove, and allspice. Uh, it's a favorite of mine every year. John's already opened his. I'm going to get to mine, but I have a fair amount of you know, some stories uh, that I can share about this beer. We'll get to that. But it looks as kind of red as I remember. What's, uh, what's the first sip, John? What's happening? I want to make a joke about saving this beer for a year and putting it on a shelf and having yep. a mad elf on the shelf, Good. but I just did. I forced it in there. You asked me about how it tastes, right? The aroma, I wish my Christmases smelt like this. On the nose, it's, it just smells like sweet candy fruit, but the flavor, it's like beer. What's the gift that you just you bought your grandma in 1979 and it just keeps getting passed around? Fruitcake. Fruitcake. Fruit cake. Yeah, exactly. I've never confession. I've never tasted fruitcake. <laughs> no one I had has. a couple of fruitcake. No, one's, no one's ever eaten one. <laughs> <laughs> they just made 50 of them in the 30s and That's they're right. still getting shared today. It's, amazing. it's mold. It's not fruit now. It's just mold coming out of the thing. <laughs> in my head, this is what fruitcake would taste like. Um, I mean, sure. I get a little bit of the spices of Christmas. You mentioned clove and cinnamon, I think, or allspice. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Trogues makes beautiful beers, and I've had this a few times, but not. it's probably been about two, maybe three years since I've drank a Mad yeah. Elf. 
Um, yeah. So on the nose for me, right off r- right off the gun, it tastes like Christmas, uh, a warm family gathering, or in this case, gathering of two. Um, <laughs> what about you, Harrison? Uh, I saw your face lit up as soon as you took that in. Yeah, I mean, again, as a guy who kind of spent his formative drinking years in Pennsylvania, this beer has a lot of kind of memories in each sniff. I can't believe they sell it in six packs. It's 11% and it comes in six packs. So hats off to Trogues for just not changing uh, changing their ways. Good on you because it's always been six packs. But um, yeah, the nose for me is all really all cherries, almost like candy cherry, like marish, almost maraschino, but like the fancier, the dark cherries that you get in an old fashioned and Italian. A, right, in some cool hip bar somewhere uh, that they charge you extra for. But um, it kind of smells like that, it, but it tastes kind of like that, like dark. It's like candied dark fruits, like dark dates or something. It's very, but it's that candidness too that I absolutely love about really most uh, Belgian beers, or a lot of them have that character, especially the darker ones, um, like this one and, and doubles. So, yeah, and then yeah, but the cherries in the nose. I'm hoping as this warms up, kind of more of that the spices start to come through, which would usually be the case. Kind of let that Belgian yeast do its thing, um, and uh, and have those kind of more effervescent flavors. Those phenols start to get out of here, get out of the bottle I've been living in for a bit. Uh, so looking forward to that. But straight away, yep, a beautiful color, cherry on the nose, candy everywhere else. Well. Yeah. <laughs> In a world of pastry stouts, this is much different uh, than like a than like a fruited sour IPA. Mm. Though this is like this is like candy from an old yep. woman's purse. Exactly. Is exactly. That- yeah. Right. It's not a Werther's original, but it's like right. It's wrapped in you know clear whatever you know, Werther's that sat next to one of those strawberry candies that only looks like a strawberry, but. Right. Tastes like plastic. Tastes like sharp. Just tastes like pain on the top of your mouth, right? The um, That's not a knock on Mad Elf. Sorry. No, it tastes much better than that strawberry plastic Right. This candy. is what that candy wished it tasted like. If it did, a lot less would be getting done. A lot happier old folks, maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I know what you mean. It's kind of like, a, right, it's a classic candy. It's really kind of like, right, malt shoppy almost. When penny candy actually cost a penny. Now I feel like I'm 100 um, but uh, but yeah, no, there's something very like, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, like very real about the candy flavor. It doesn't feel like somebody put candy in this. It feels like, you know, candy was inspired by these flavors. Because again, there's no candy in here. It's, you know, real cherries and, uh, and honey. And that's kind of what's imparting what... Um, you know, maybe you can pick up in a different way in in uh, in certain certain candies, certain places. But yeah, I get what, I know exactly what you mean. And it's now I'm getting way more cherry and like the the mouthfeel too. There, the the flavor. This is great. And this this beer's. I mean, it's it's been made by Trogues for a while. It's it's got a high ABV. It's truly an angry little helper of Santa Claus. <laughs> um, but it's I in my head I kind of I equate this. This, I would say, this is like the Christmas version of pumpkin. There's a oh, lot of yeah. pumpkin beers, but sure. pumpkin is the one that everyone knows. There's a lot of Christmas beers. And there's more, I think, of an international Christmas beer scene than there is for pumpkin beers. But Mad True. Elf is, 
uh, easily, I think, recognizable as iconic around this time of year. So I'm grateful that we get to share it together. It is. It ages well, you know, and it's, but yeah, this time of year. And I think they, they used to, they may still, but I think they do a, a batch of it in July for like local. They do Naked Elf, which is like no cherries in it, which is cool. Um, I think either every once in a while or maybe that's the one in the, in the summer they do. Um, but yeah, right. I mean, definitely in, in Pennsylvania, like the beer of the winter. Um, but I mean, really, wherever Trogues goes and wherever you know good beer is is, is consumed, I should say, and um, this beer either is sought after or you know people wish they get their hands on it. So if you haven't had it yet and you can, we definitely urge you to seek it out because it's perfect. Right? So it's, as you said, John, it kind of tastes like Christmas, but also it's eleven percent. It's like you know it's cold out. Great, have a couple of Mad Elves and then all all is right. It's all good. Um, so definitely kind of serves a lot of purposes for this time of year. And so that 11%, and now that we've mentioned it a few times, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big part <laughs> of this beer. If if Mad Elf was a Belgian double, right, and we're sitting mm-hmm. at like six and a half, seven percent 7% there, would Mad Elf be as popular? I don't know, but I know the 11%, whether your in-laws are coming over for Christmas or not, right? Uh, that the Mad Elf is is really helpful uh, to get through exactly. taking all the glitter off of your Christmas tree or the floor um, and the dog wherever the glitters every, ended up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> are are there Christmas trees without glitter in in the world in 2020? I don't know. Probably not anymore. Once I got the first Christmas tree, I feel like it was only a matter of time before it spread to. All others. I feel like ours doesn't have it, but I also feel like I pick glitter out of you know the couch every other day. So glitter is somewhere in the house, maybe in the HVAC. That's something <laughs> to look into. <laughs> um, so here's a terrible transition, but um, I meant to bring up the BJCP guideline. Yes. We haven't drank. Uh, this <laughs> Trogues classifies this as a Belgian dark strong ale. Indeed. And just recently we were talking about American strong ales mm-hmm. and Grand Cru's and the vagueness of that term. But the BJCP, there's, a, there's actual parameters for a Belgian dark strong. It's, it's, even though similar in name, it's a real style. Yep, absolutely. Uh, or, or defined style. More, Generally yeah. uh, defined as a dark and complex, very strong Belgian ale. Arguably, that could be all of them outside of the very strong. Um, but you'll notice a delicious subjectively delicious blend of malt richness you'll get some dark fruit flavor in there and spicy elements which i almost always attribute belgian yeast to bringing a spicy not jalapeno mm-hmm. but a spicy flavor to my beer yeah. and so that that's the overall impression of a belgian dark strong and i'll definitely agree with that dark fruit flavor oh yeah kind of tying into the rich strawberry Werther's original caramel candy in this beer. Yes. Mm. Uh, um, the appearance as well. I think any Belgian dark I've had, this kind of, it leans, it's dark, but it leans into like a reddish coppery color. Yeah. Um, and the BJCP will advise you that. So some comments they give us about this beer are that you can find an authentic Trappist version which will usually be a little bit more drier, or if we were in Belgium, you might say more digestible uh, than the Abbey version, which are going to be sweeter. 
So if you're drinking them blind and it tastes very dry, it might even be authentically Trappist. Otherwise, if it's sweet, it could be an Abbey version or even more of an American version as well. Traditionally, they're bottle conditioned, which is something we talked about a lot in our cellaring episode. You can generally sit on these beers for a while. Um, and most of them are known generally by their strength or color designation if you're talking about Trappist beers, yeah. but we will do that in a time season four. Harrison, one of the things I wanted to ask you about in this beer, uh, some of the ingredients that they put in here, which are characteristic to a Belgian dark strong. Yeah. Obviously <laughs> Belgian yeast, and it makes me think of like, brown sugar molasses flavor but anything you're more familiar with and in, in about like ingredients in these beers yeah i mean the belgian yeast strain is really kind of i mean it pulls a lot of the weight when it comes to the flavors you're getting belgian yeast strains are they do really well um in higher alcohol environments i mean if this is like an american ale and it was 11 percent, you may have to use two different yeast strains to, to get the alcohol that high before the yeast kind of just give up and go now i want to go to sleep but belgian yeasts have been doing it for a little bit longer than american beer yeasts have so they're here to party and getting 11 percent is not very difficult and then depending on the kind of the temperature you fermented at right you could be getting a lot of those like if it's a little bit warmer fermentation esters like fruity phenolic clove type uh nose which this beer is starting to get now as it warms up it is coming through for me but um yeah, so that, that's, that's going to just be the yeast kind of playing with the really complicated and interesting malt build that a lot of these uh, Belgian beers have, too. This one, you know, being no, an exception, no exception. Um, and then the hops as well. I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely not a bitter beer. It's got about 15 IBUs. But it's important there, you know, that it, that kind of sweetness does go off the deep end and it has something to kind of stop it. So um, the BJCP says, you know, Saz or Sazer type hops or english type hops is really common and sure enough um nice. saz is one of the hops in in mad elf so really like right in line with with everything that uh, the bjcp says keeping out an eye out for uh mad elf is uh is checking those boxes but yeah the saz, is, is big yeah saz hops i know them best is, is the flavor of most pilsners mm-hmm. is that yep yeah definitely a check originally i believe a check hop and you know, Czech pilsners kind of have their own unique place in uh, everyone's beer uh, world, but uh, yeah, but but it, again, not limited to that, and definitely kind of the grassier, kind of on the more noble side of of hops, um, which makes sense here. You wouldn't want something big and citrusy that you may find in like a New World hop variety. You know, you want something that'll play well with uh, those fruity flavors, but not bring a whole other kind of fruit to the party. Although I'm sure. Breweries have done it, and um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but uh, this is why this is a fun industry to be in, is that someone will probably do that to me one day. I'll drink and go, well, this is the best. Why didn't someone put Citra <laughs> in a Belgian Dark Strong 100 years ago? I'm an idiot. So, uh, But until then, um, I think the BJCP is right on. I mean, of course they are, and, and Mad Elf is a pretty cool example of, of all this stuff. And really, like again, the, the spiciness, I'm just waiting for more and more of it to show up in this beer as it is while it uh, warms up here. I think um, uh, uh, any Belgian, especially higher ABV, something like this beer, um, some commercial examples, the first ones that come to find are, or come to my mind are like a Roquefort or yeah. uh, Harrison, you just drank this. I saw you check it in on Untapped and Twitter with right. Chimay's uh, oh. Grand Reserve. 
Yep. A Westie 12. We That'd probably cool. all have a bunch of those sitting around. Just sitting room temperature somewhere in a shelf yeah. next to the window. Um, hopefully not. Don't do that if you have one. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah, I know the Rockford stuff. That's another one that I may try to get onto this show. I love those all the eight, the 10, all of them, all the St. Bernardus stuff. Like this kind of time of year, I feel like I've said it before on the podcast, but I love, I mean, hence me drinking that, that Grand Reserve from uh, Chimay. Like I love big old Belgian beers when it's cold outside because it's a different, it's easy to say, give me a stout. And sure, give me a stout, give me an Imperial stout. But also like this is just a whole, again, it's another way to get that same kind of alcoholic warmth and make the fire you may be sitting in front of even a little hotter. Um, and the movie a little bit funnier or whatever, the conversation a little bit easier, but um, yeah, but it's but it's it's not a big old stout, it's something different. Um, so yeah, pumped that we're drinking it today, and I'm just now I'm like in I can tell I'm gonna be hunting for more Belgian beers, hopefully more in the box, more in the Avent box. I can hope. Um, we'll see. And so in in, in finishing up our our. Uh a loose walkthrough on <laughs> a style guideline of a Belgian, <coughs> excuse me, Belgian dark strong. Yeah. Uh, a, a TLDR, like a Belgian double, but a little bit bigger. Um, similar flavors. Uh, probably you could get lost in the differences between a Belgian dark strong and a Belgian quad. Um, sure. But I think I think at the end of the at the end of the glass you'll be happy you you tried to learn or understand either of those beers and I definitely anticipate seeing Harrison drinking a lot of beers that are hard for me to pronounce in the next couple of months. They get harder as you keep drinking them too, so it's okay. We're in that boat together. And speaking of being in boats together, <laughs> yes. Um. Well, that's it. Speaking of being in boats together, here's a transition into the highlight of this show. Untapped released the year in beer statistics, and it's always my favorite Uh, time to see people share it on Instagram and Twitter. Um, So, Harrison, uh, a couple of changes this year. Graphically, in my opinion, it looks a lot cooler, so thanks for your help, Untapped design team. Amazing. I know it looks great. Where do you want to begin uh, covering our the whole year in a, in a couple of minutes here? Sure. I mean, I think it's great to just kind of start with the beginning of 2020. And an easy stat that we kind of all saw uh, this year highlighted on our year in beer stats was the first beers that we had this year. So I had, and I, re- I kind of remember this night. I, I do remember this night. <clears throat> um, first beer I had was on uh, the 2nd of January. Uh, it was Stone Brewing's Never Ending Haze IPA, which is like a 4% New England, which was No wonder awesome. you remember it. That was it. And I tagged you in it, John. You were tagged in that check-in. I, don't, I think because we were, I think actually it's because we were doing research for the, what would be upcoming uh, episode during Socially of uh, low alcohol IPAs. We were, we were about to do that episode, we did that episode eight of this uh, season. So we were kind of, knew that going into 2020 and we're like all right let's try and try some beers out and see what to bring on the show we just couldn't find never ending haze again i think when the show happened so it didn't make it on the podcast but i loved it it was a great way to start the year and i tagged you because we were kind of right going back and forth and trying to figure out what would uh the beers we would talk about that episode and that trend was awesome uh when we had the girls on from work for your beer 
Yes. Uh, we did a podcast with 400 calorie IPAs, and yep. we still I still get a lot of people asking me yeah. questions about low cal plus good flavor. Uh, that was a trend I didn't see coming this year. You know, um, right. Obviously, my first beer yes. in 2020 happened a couple hours after 2020 began, Mark. and it was from Zipline in Nebraska, uh, barrel-aged Calavera Stout. That was 13, 13.5%. Oof. Um, So I was researching in the opposite direction. I don't remember that night. I don't remember who I tagged in that beer. Um, I'm pretty sure I got that from Tavor back when they would ship to North Carolina. Right. Um, Because otherwise there's no way I'm getting a beer from Lincoln, Nebraska. But it's 13.5% stout with, I think there was like vanilla and cocoa in it probably. And I'm sure it was good. I'd have to look at my untapped check-in to remember what I really thought. That's right. Exactly. That's why they exist. I love that. That's a great way to start the year not messing around. And something else that was kind of kind of new, at least the way we highlighted it this year um, on the year in beer stats, where they're purchased from locations. So kind of focusing a bit more on that, which makes sense this year. Obviously, Especially, lots of, yeah. Yeah, people drink it at home. And I, I've always been a bit of a, a homebody. So my number one purchase from location, like year over year on tap since I moved down to North Carolina has been Hay Beer, which is a great bottle shop we brought up a couple of times before on the show. Um, so they were my my number one again this year in terms of uh, purchased at. However, something new to my list was another bottle shop um, in town called Fermental, which you, if you um, you know read a Crap Beer and Brewing's annual list of best beer bar in every state. Fermental was actually named the best one in North Carolina last year, which was really cool. Wow. So I know, right? So and make it's really awesome. It's a tiny little house. It's actually like an old ranch uh, house. It's each each room is full of beer. Um, so a really cool spot. And beginning of um, quarantine, ever they started shipping to like locally doing deliveries. So I took full advantage of that, and my purchase from check-ins um, absolutely. Uh, absolutely reflected exactly that but um but yeah again another solid year for me drinking at home and uh enjoying the heck out of it but what about you john what was kind of popping out early for uh for you and the stats or the year in beer yeah um i kind of i went more back to the basics Mm. and i think honestly you know covid i I don't even want to say the word anymore covid (laughs) was (laughs) most of 2020 it's not like it was just a flash in the pan anymore but what i remember early on is you know wondering i have a lot of friends in the industry and wondering how this is going to affect the way i've I've gotten used to beers new beer new brewery release growler only go to the tap room yep um and I wondered how that was all going to change. And early on, that's right. No one knew. Still, maybe no one knows what's happening. But early <laughs> on, it was like a rush, a rush for like comfort and nostalgia. And, yes. and people like Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale was a, was a trending beer, and mm-hmm. people were looking for those comfortable or value brands even. Yeah. And so my top rated style in 2020 was a pale lager. And I owe a lot of that to New Anthem. Um, yep. They they uh, didn't open up delivery quite as much as Fermental did locally to me, but they did open up keg sales. So uh, I finally put something on tap on my kegerator. I told you, Ashley, my wife, if you're listening, I told you we would use that thing eventually. <laughs> um, 
Uh, Harrison, I was really excited. I looked through yours. Your top-rated style was a cider, I and know. I feel like we owe that to uh, the beer we had on the podcast we earlier do. in the yeah. year. Yeah, it was Blood Amulet from Bee Nectar. That was it, and that was such a fun... Looking back, that may have been one of my favorite episodes of this entire year because you know, I walked into it really not knowing what to expect, a little apprehensive, and from like the first sniff and sip of that beer, or cider, excuse me, it was like, holy cow... Why I've awaited this long. This is amazing. This, you know, it was just, it was great. So yeah, it blew me away, um, and you know, kind of fitting that right, uh, you know, on the year that you returned to basics, as did tons of, you know, the the beer drinking world. I stepped out of my shell. What a year to pick to come out of my comfort zone. Uh, when nah, I was, that, you know, but yeah, it was, beer, it was great. cider. That was that was out. I remember drinking that. I wish I had more. I saw. Uh, Brian McCaskey in the yes. podcast group so on Facebook recently got a bottle of it. I don't whether you embrace cider or you still turn your nose up to it. I challenge you to drink a blood amulet from B Nectar oh, and yeah. and walk away thinking anything. But <clears throat> yeah, and that you'll, was amazing. Yeah, I mean you're gonna enjoy it. I mean we'll definitely have B Nectar on again, hopefully soon because of course we didn't even touch their meads yet. So that's that, that definitely deserves its own episode. We'll see. Uh, See uh, when that happens. I think it's just a question of uh, when, not if. Something else that I really liked and kind of got a chuckle out of uh, that we're highlighting this year is the top three breweries. And John, you and me, we were, ours were very <laughs> similar, which makes sense. We do drink beer t- together, although be it virtually all the time. Um, but uh, but um, for both of us, number one brewery was something local, which again was something we saw this year across all of Untappist, you know, if you weren't going to right an old standby, you were going, you know, the quickest trip outside your door to some local brewery and supporting their first, which is, is great. And uh, yeah, John and I were, were frequent uh, supporters of Flying Machine Brewing Company, both our number one brewery of the year. And they have created some awesome stuff. We just had a few episodes ago, the collab they did with Edmunds Oast, Pillow yep. Fort, that was something to behold. That was a great beer. Yeah, it really was. And I remember early on in the, well, maybe actually it was about the summer, I think, their Benevolence, Benevolence I believe, uh, their Vienna Lager, which is, I think, a, a top 10 rated lager on Untapped. That beer, just like, I was all about it. I got it, uh, yeah, in the summer whenever they released it, which just blew me away. So I definitely contributed to a couple check-ins there to make Fly Machine my, uh, my top uh, brewery. That was a uh, 2020 taught me that I don't need to leave my subjectively small town to right. drink amazing beer. Yeah. And it also taught me that some of my friends were leaving town and it was important to remind them, hey, when you're up there, right. bring back some beer. Bring back some stuff. Um, I, I think right. I drank, I probably drank more. Not internationally, but more beers from around the country where where Tavor couldn't ship me beers from outside of my area. I, any friend that traveled, it was really cool when they would come back and they would have a couple of beers. Colby, who wrote the NFL blog with us, he brought me back some beer from Rotunda a few times yeah. and introduced me to them. Turns out I'm a huge fan. Yeah, they cracked your top three as well. Um, and then... New Anthem, another local brewery, both in our top three. And those guys, when we talked about them before, we had Neon God, uh, one of their IPAs on the podcast in the past. 
earlier this year, um, but they crank out some amazing stuff. So both of those local breweries cracked, cracked the top for us. And uh, true to my word from last year, Hopfly, which is kind of my brewery of 20 or 19, and I kind of made a promise myself drinking more of it uh, this year. I did. They also broke in my top three. And they're somewhat local. They're the North Carolina brewery. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't can't stay away from anything they crank out. So that was, yeah, glad the stats showed me that. I'd be worried I would be drinking all their beer for nothing. But they made it on my <laughs> ear in beer. So all worth it. Uh, my wish list breweries were <clears throat> Wander Beyond from England. Haven't got that yet. An Angry Chair close. from Florida. Got yep. close. Yeah. But okay, I'm just gonna move those on to my wish list for 2020. That's fine. A lot of people are doing that. Yeah. Um, what about badges? I uh, obnoxiously I'm sitting at 1,999 badges. Mm-hmm. I know it'll update as the year continues. You've yeah. got until December 31 to to continue proliferating your year in beer stats. True, Harry, you're straggling, bud. I know. Um, I know. I only have 1,579 badges, but. But, in my own defense, I did uh, do some work this year. So it's showing you this year, as you guys saw, you know, total badges, but also badges are in just in 2020. And I did some work. I had 425 of those badges, so almost a third of the badges that I have <laughs> as a user, I earned this year. Uh, and just edging out John with 370 um, badges earned this year. So I did That's some work there in the badge department. A great testament to how good of a salesman you are, Harrison. That's something. Uh, <laughs> I'm crushing you in badges, but you just made me look like a fool. Uh, <laughs> Is that what happened? I, I blacked out. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And it's this is definitely, we've talked a few times on the show, right? Like, is someone going to earn an eight badge check in? And I, I think it's, if it hasn't oh, been yeah. definitively eight, we've seen some people share in oh, yeah. the podcast group. Um, eight, you, you don't even, you used ten. to have to try and like drink your 55th pale ale at a bowling alley on a holiday wearing red shoes to earn a four or five badger, but. It's gotten easier for you, I guess, harder for me. So yes. let's move on. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, Drinking Buddies. That was also a fun highlight, and I'm sure it surprises nobody that John and I were both each other's Drinking Buddies with perhaps some other people as well, but not important. It would be weird if we didn't crack the uh, each other's top That'd three. That'd be an awkward. We'll just edit right. that out. A lot of yeah. questions. But uh, <laughs> no, here we are. Here we are making making sense. So let's close out our year in beer review, year in beer view. And so let's close this out with a little game I'm making up right now called Was Harrison Right About 2020? <sighs> At the end of season two, we made some predictions uh, leading into 2020. <laughs> that, was, that was risky. <laughs> that was silly um, of us. Harry, in one word or more, how do we fare on our four top <laughs> predictions? Uh, we talked about yeah. how four pack 16 ounce cans were going to be all the rage. Yep, duh, and that happened yeah. absolutely. But it's kind of it was trending that direction. Although you're, now I feel like, right, every picture I see from every brewery in my Instagram feed is of a 16 ounce can they can grab in a four pack. Um, and I mean, you know, actually to be fair, there's been so much more to go beer sales done out of breweries this year and bottle shops and you know and so on. It, it makes sense that yes, four pack 16 ounce cans probably be consumed now more than ever before. I mean, we're in the middle of a can shortage, so we do know that it's 
definitely impacted um, you know, the way that uh, how people consume beer. So I think we were right on there. And we also said variety packs too, and kind of more breweries to start doing them. And I don't know if that's the case, but certainly, you know, and I go to a local grocery store, I'm seeing like now New Belgium has like two or three different variety packs each season. Uh, Southern Tier, very similar. Stone has one right now where it's like the 12 beers of December yep. or Christmas or whatever. There's uh, there's a lot of, uh, I feel like maybe it's not more breweries doing it, but, but I'm seeing more variety packs from breweries than ever, which is great. And I you have to wonder you know, how much of that is in response to kind of Right, people taking less trips out of the house, wanting to get more variety when they go to the grocery store. Now, maybe once every ten days, what can I get in a single purchase that'll kind of you know keep me interested? Um, and I mean, absolutely, you're able to do that now. So that was really again, we had obviously no idea this is happening, but that one kind of fell right in our lap. That was probably the easiest one to predict, um, and it's I. Please, more 16-ounce cans. We saw more, you know, when you check in on Untapped, you can tag what you're drinking it from. Obviously, cans and bottles, this was a great year for them as opposed to draft. Um, And there's some sad and some positive in there is that we had to adapt, but we still drank good beer. Um, So uh, point number two of four, the rise of the lager. I'm pretty sure I predict this every single year, but how'd we do? Correct. I mean, for you, yeah, it was your top whatever rated <laughs> style. So John nailed it. But as John said, I mean, right, I think it was this year was uh, just as one example. Sam Adams Boston Lager is one of the best years that beer has had in a long time in terms of just, I mean, I got like four from my fridge right now. So um, I'm a testament to that. But I mean, yeah, probably not for the reasons we thought, but certainly um, people returning to those beers that you know, maybe kind of defined their early beer experience. A lot of them are probably lagers, especially for the U.S. So I think that's pretty also, perhaps maybe not the rise, maybe a return to the lager, maybe more accurate. That makes, but, yeah, that's, but, but certainly, it, yeah, happened. So here's one, I wish I could just include like a womp, womp, sound effect. You but you did it, perfect. Um, we <laughs> predicted that ordering beer from the internet was going to make a big move forward in 2020. Um, yeah. <laughs> And it did. And right, not for the reasons we thought. We kind of saw things like Tavor and Beer Drop becoming more popular, and that's what we were kind of expecting to see in 2020. And indeed, you know, that happened. But also, again, now as we all know, pretty much every brewery, bottle shop, I mean, any place out there has an an e-commerce store if they didn't before, really kind of have to. Uh, given the time, so yep, absolutely more more beer being bought on your phone, on a tablet, on online uh, than ever. Um, but again, so really interesting list we had here. I guess we so far. Know. I think we're shooting almost a hundred percent subjectively. I, there you go. And we predicted a lot of mergers slash acquisitions. If you're anything like me, 2020 is a blur that gets mixed up with both 2019 and the late 90s. Yes. So there were definitely some brewery mergers and acquisitions. Harrison, anything that jumps out at you? Well, yeah, for on the brewery side, I think the, the CBC finally became 100% owned by InBev, which is kind of like, you know happening slowly over over many years 
Um, and there are probably, you know, maybe more mergers and acquisitions of breweries in the coming months. But something a little closer to us is that I'm sure hopefully everyone's seen by now that a, a couple uh, months ago, um, Untapped, the net, so Net Glass company that um, owns Untapped and Beer Advocate, they also acquired an app called Osner, where you can buy beer on your phone, just like I was talking about. Um, which is pretty cool. I'm actually working with that team right now. And Hop Culture, which just uh, was announced the other week. So um, not the mergers and acquisitions we saw coming, but pretty big ones that I, you know, we saw get covered kind of all over the place as they happen. So definitely very exciting times for us. Keep it tuned here for season four. More excitement, perhaps. Dovetailing into those acquisitions, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I mean, that also happened again. Not how we saw it, but yeah, no way to, to say it any other way. Definitely, a I think year that's, that's the things. trick to predicting the future right. is just to learn a lot. It's going right. to be uh, exactly. when winter comes, it's going to be colder. A lot of people looking for warm inside that's places. That's it. You could sell a lot of farmers' almanacs with those kinds of predictions, John. And they Nostradamus, who? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was so, great. So we did pretty well. Good. And uh, we've had a little bit of time to let this Belgian dark strong warm up, Harrison. I see you got a couple of sips left in your glass. Uh, has the taste changed much? It really, yes, it has. For me now, it's like I'm getting actually more chocolate notes. Okay. Still tons of cherry on the nose with like that kind of a little bit of sharp little boozeness, but in a great way. A little bit of honey there. And yeah, it is. It's little. It's actually. It's it's even like it's like kind of chocolatey cherry, and then it ends with like a little bit of some kind of spice, all spice. Let's say. What about you? What are you? What is experiencing over there? What's happening? We so <laughs> mo, most of mine's ethereal. We did an episode a little while ago called "God Save the Queen," where we drank yep. some beers from the UK, from Siren specifically. Mm-hmm. And as this is warmed up. After after I sip and after it leaves my mouth, I get like honey covered dark fruit, and I just imagine yeah. that that's what Christmas is like in the UK. It's like mm. these exquisite, almost like the baking show where everybody's in a tent and they're yes. amazing bakers. Yes, yes. Um, like that's that's what I view. Baking. Like if somebody would on that baking show, if they would give them Mad Elf, we would have some record breaking activity. That's I don't know. That doesn't make any sense, but that's where yeah. I'm at with this beer now that it's warmed up. It's 11%, give or take, right? It is. It is. It's it's doing what it should be doing. It's creating magical dances of sugar plums and British people baking in our heads or what have you. And it's been drank by a lot of people uh, to cover some untapped data. Overall, this polls a 3.8 rating. It's been checked in over 350,000 times. Yeah. Um, Generally, you can find this. It's, it, it's made by Trogues, um, who is still, as far as I can tell, independent, run by two brothers yeah. and, a, and a great group of people. So it's mainly available on the East Coast, but I'm sure it'll find some friendly distribution if you have mm. family visiting from the East Coast. That's right. Um, Trogues, if you're listening, uh, put your beer menu on Untapped so people can follow right. you on there. Uh, get your tap room listed. Wild Elf, Naked Elf, people want to see. I want to see. 
Uh, yeah, everybody <laughs> let, does. Make it easier for people to see what you're right. pouring. Right. Uh, subtle nudge there. Exactly. A lot of angry elves out here wanting to get some mad elf, wanting to yeah. see what else you have. I agree. And you know, aside from uh, beer, the mad elf beer, Trogues did make a mad elf beer cheese. You can enjoy alongside this if you're able to get your hands on some of it. Readily available in Pennsylvania. Uh, not sure about other places they distribute to. Uh, but they've done this for two other beers. Their Troganator, which is their Doppelbach. Oh, they have a yeah. beer cheese that came out last year. Perpetual, their IPA, uh, earlier this year. Um, 100% of the milk is from Pennsylvania Dairy Farms. is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so this is, um, and this beer though, if you can't get your hands on the Mad Elf beer cheese and worry about it, this beer goes well with a lot of food. And actually Trogues gives you a great breakdown and more detail on their website about what they recommend and what they don't recommend to enjoy with the beer. But some of the highlights for me, this beer is gonna be kind of complimentary. Food item would be glazed ham, so sold there. Everything. You had me on glaze, but then you double had me on ham. Um, (laughs) A a contrasting flavor, which is always fun to kind of like find something that kind of maybe like, I don't know, pushes back a little bit on the beer flavor you may be enjoying is like aged cheddar um coconut was yep. another one they put there which is pretty cool okay. and it'd be fistfuls of coconut and i don't know if that's what they meant but take that for what it's worth however they say adverse stay away from salmon and peanuts not going to be what you want to experience here and perhaps most notably peppermint a lot of peppermint candy floating around the house these days strokes is saying nope Kabosh, eat that, and then have Mad Elf later. So there's much more that kind of breakdown of some seasonal food, some food like coconut that's maybe not. Um, it may go well or not with Mad Elf. So go ahead and check it out there. But that's always fun to kind of learn about. Right, uh, the little play, the little grab bag there, pull a little charcuterie board to go with your yeah. beer. Trogues does a great job of giving you some recommendations on uh, on where to start. That sounds. Now I'm just excited about food. We need to get more into this of like blind taste testing and and you make good points. The peppermint with a stout, amazing. Imagining it with this beer, horrendous. Too much much happening. Yeah. Same thing with almost any fish. This beer has. There's too much power with this beer uh, that you would. You might as well not eat fish. Just drink two mad elves and uh, call it a night. Have some cheese and go to bed. Um. So um, if you can get the Mad Elf beer cheese and you're friendly on social media, tag me and Harrison in a picture. Go to, uh, hit the, at that beer podcast. You'll find us on Twitter, Instagram. But I want to see what it looks like. I want to vicariously uh, pretend to eat this cheese through your Instagram photos. Other than that, um, uh, 2020 was certainly a year that we hope we'll never remember. Uh, But thanks to Year in Beer from Untapped, you can kind of block out all the crappy parts of 2020 and just focus on the awesome stuff, the beers we drank together. Yes. And next week, we are going to be finishing up season three. Whoa. And we're gonna do it. We do it. We're gonna go out with a with a bang. We're gonna get something that's bomb diggity. Ho ho ho! Man, am I excited! So there might be so subtle hints, some Easter eggs in there. Maybe that's a hint. I think it's just ho, confusing. Ho ho bomb. Ho ho yeah, ho! Right. right. Oh, oh well, I tried. Um, so thanks for listening. <laughs> show notes will be available at podcast.untap.com as well as the show itself and the YouTube videos. 
If you have any questions or feedback, we invite you to connect with us or Untapped on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Otherwise, yeah, we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. A little bit in there. Just a little bit. And just and enough gone. to walk into the kitchen and, well, I'm going to find some right cheese. Now. <laughs> we need to do cheese with every episode. Yeah, right.